Help keep this show free by buying some of our swag of apparel at ButcherSpit.com. We have t-shirts, hoodies, and even baby onesies. That's ButcherSpit.com. Something's giving me the creeps Seven days a week While I'm sleeping It pulls the blankets off me Yeah, 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 yeah You ain't ever seen a ghost that's sexy He can't see me but I'm hot I'm a ghost that's sexy Think I'm scary, well I'm not Just a ghost that's sexy I'm not like your average ghost Watch me pose, don't mean to post If only this guy could see my face Photobombing his IG posts So macho, skin is so wide Cause I lost blood back when I died Why does he look so terrified? My hair's on fleek, I don't need dye Do deadlifts for killer thighs Who needs feet when you look this wild? Now watch me make a TikTok post Follow me, Mikey Bustaw Yes That clip you heard at the top of the show was Mickey Bustos. He did a parody of Cardi B's WAP, Ghost That Sexy. And you can check out his other stuff on YouTube and subscribe. And welcome to Murky Chronicles. Sounds like I got a frog in my throat. This is episode six, y'all. I'm Dayful of the Butcher Debashi. My partner in crime couldn't make it on the show today on episode six because he's out in the boondocks again and hopefully he'll come in um, next week and talk about maybe he's got probed. Maybe he has some encounters. Who knows? But if Bigfoot or UFO or Sasquatch listening, you know, give Kenny Roberts a poke or two. So, Sending a shout out to him, but in his place, I got a long time friend, sister, whatever you want to call her, Mama Shauna Hebert. How are you doing? I'm doing all right. How are you? I'm doing great. I I, I just want to say I really, really appreciate you coming on. You bail me out like you always did you, before in the past. Um, we go way back, don't we? We do. I've always got your back. Well, when do you remember the first day we met? Or what was it at a Manning show? Probably. It was, it was a long, long time ago. I'm getting old. I don't remember. <laughs> but everyone out there, this girl had my back since day one. And if I remember a utensil short, she's always found me something, no matter where we're at. We got you the hookup. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, I appreciate coming in. And I just want to let everyone know that on August 16th, um, I have scheduled a former professional wrestler. He's a movie writer and actor. He's doing a film right now. And he's also a ghost hunter, Cody Alexander. Like I said, he'll be on August 16th. will be our first ghost hunter. And my homegirl all the way in Illinois, uh, she's a horror film actress, Michelle Morris. Um, and she's a really good friend of mine, and she has a new movie coming out. 
and the trailer is just wow. I shared it, and the movie is titled Witch House, and um, yeah, so she's gonna be coming on, and she has some wild, wild uh, stories, and these stories are just amazing, and um, we welcome your stories or encounters or whatever they may be. You know, just email us at murkychronicles at gmail.com or call the 24-hour hotline at 360-200-8779. And you know what? We'll either call you back or we may just use that message and you may just hear yourself here on the show. Well, that's a mouthful. Are you there? I am. Oh, Sorry. I thought, I thought you fell asleep on me. No, of course not. And and I want to apologize to everyone. Um, the show's dropping a little later uh, just because we had a little mishap. Kenny's out there, like I said, out in the boondocks, um, out in the, the forest woods. But he's going to give us an update. He just has no way to communicate with us right now, but hopefully he has a recording device. But... Have you ever had any weird encounters, any paranormal things or Bigfoot sightings or whatever, especially traveling on the road, you know, going to these matches from up and down the West Coast? Oh, I had some strange things happen in my lifetime. You know, the phone sitting next to me in my car and all of a sudden it turns on and starts taking pictures. It's weird. What do you think? Just out of the blue. And what what are they taking pictures of? I mean, is it anything in particular? Nothing that I can tell. It's just like if it's sitting in my center console, it's just taking pictures of the ceiling of my car. Now I do have a moon roof in my car, so maybe somebody's wanting to take pictures of the sky. I don't know. It's just strange little things that just happen. When's the last thing that happened to you? That happened. That instance when uh, the, the phone last... went off. The the phone when the phone went off. When's the last time that happened? Um, it's been about two months ago, three months ago now. We were driving home and turned the corner by our road, and all of a sudden it just flipped on and started taking pictures. And my daughters and I just kind of looked at each other and went, "Okay." <laughs> And it's a brand new phone, so I don't know. Wow, I don't think I ever had that happen. I mean, that's kind of unexplainable. Did you ever try to see what any you know what the pictures were of? See any orbs or anything I, like that? Yeah, I tried to look at them, but I don't see anything. But that doesn't mean there wasn't something. I think it was just, in my own opinion, it's somebody trying to tell me that they're. Right there. Anyone in particular? Oh, I have a hunch. <laughs> okay. But, I, I think I know who it is, too. Right. <laughs> well, that, that that's awesome. I mean, yeah. Yeah. Well, ha, have you seen any, like, UFO sightings? Or have you ever any encounters, like, ever went camping and ran into anything? No, I can't say I have. Yeah, I don't know if you heard my Bigfoot story before. Have I told you that? I think you actually told me that one once, 
but I would love to hear it again. Okay. Well, I love saying it, and I, I don't know, I probably <laughs> said it a handful of times. We only had six episodes, but just in case um, you didn't hear it, and we had Randy the Pimp Taylor, and he have some really good Bigfoot stories. He's actually re- re- uh, reading a uh, writing a book. And last episode we were talking, and it was funny. We start marking out because um, a lot of stuff that we both seen, you know, were almost exactly uh-huh. the same. It was kind of exciting, but like the shorter version of the story, we would we went to Mount Hood. And as soon as we got there, I'll, I'll give you the quick story because I don't want to bore the, the, the fans out there. I know there's a few, a bunch of people heard every episode, but, um, so anyways, we get, we get to the, the campsite and I remember the camp, the ranger says, Hey, there was a Bigfoot sighting. This was in Mount Hood, Oregon. And we had, right. we had a, you know, few, you know, RV, you know, campers. There it was a bunch of us, friends of the family and family and, I remember um, that was the, we were saying Bigfoot stories and you could go back to, I think episode two or three, but Bigfoot stories, I'll I'll give you the quick version. And my aunt comes running and she could have sworn she saw Bigfoot. Everyone went in her camper. So the next day um, we're all like picking up, getting firewood. And it's probably about, Three, three o'clock, two thirty in the afternoon. Hot. Mm-hmm. It was me, my cousin Jamal, my sister Jamila. It was probably about a handful of kids, five to ten kids, um, oldest to youngest, and we we're walking and we we're picking up this firewood, and I went over to this brush, and no lie, within three feet of me, it was this huge, humongous creature. And it was like a reddish, brownish hair. And he was walking towards us, walking towards me. I was like three feet away. I couldn't see his eyes because his his face was looking towards the ground. But he was taking his arms and swatted it across, you know, so the branches wouldn't hit his face. And I remember just looking up. Right. I was like, oh, hell. I threw my firewood and my cousin, my sister... They, they saw it, and then the rest just followed us. Yeah, and, you know, and then, yeah, yeah I mean, I, to this day, I, I honest, honestly, me, I can understand why people probably don't think there's a Bigfoot in there, but I know I've seen it, and, and you know, right. did some research. And you don't get intimidated by much. So, no, so no, and I still mark out when I talk about it. And yeah, right. But um, I don't blame you. I would too. Yeah. So I mean, I would love like my sister and her husband got a bunch of anchors in Owala across the Narrows Bridge, and there's a lot of sightings over there. And um, there was this nine one one call. It was from years ago, and someone had sent it to me, and I I, I played it on the air, and. And, and I know when uh, where Randy Taylor grew up, you know there was, I mean, he had actual wild encounters. You got you listen to the back episode or when you see him, have him tell you. But I'm gonna talk with her maybe 
you know, maybe do some scouting out there, just camp out there and put some cam trails. I really want to find it. I don't know. But I'm talking too much. Just tell me shut up and hit me with a fork. (laughs) No, I'm thinking we have to go camping. That's what I'm thinking. Yes, yes. Either Mount Hood or over, you know, my sister and her husband's property. But, yeah, yeah. But, so... Yeah, so you haven't had any weird experiences like that at all? I mean, I mean, what's your thought? No, I... What's your thought on that I, and paranormal I've always stuff? been intrigued uh-huh. with Bigfoot because, like, when my daughters were little, we... You know me, I'm always driving everywhere and traveling. Right. And so that was something that we all talked about was they always have to go look for Bigfoot as we're driving because... You know, Oregon has some of the biggest trees and lots of forests. And so it's something that we've always been intrigued by. Yeah. We think he's out there. He's just. I mean, why would, I mean. Knows how to hide very well. Yeah, there's there's forests and forests that's never been touched. Still virginized out there. Right. And, you know, people say, well, why don't you find bones and stuff? I said, no one ever sees bare bones. I mean, and, I mean, you could go further. People say, you know, Bigfoot has portals. Who knows? I mean, we could go on a whole nother level. I mean, to me, how do we know we're not in another dimension? You know, sometimes I just think, like, when I'm sleeping, when you, okay, say when you're sleeping and you're having a dream and you wake up. How do you know that when you woke up, that's you not... weren't really living it? Well, no. How do you know that when you woke up, this is the dream, and th- when you were asleep, that was real? Right. Uh, no, I get it. That's, well, that's actually an intriguing thought. Yeah, and you know, and then up. Thanks for coming on. We're just kind of winging this show today you know got some clips and i got an email but you know there's a thing um i don't know if you saw that clip um off the gulf of mexico there was a that big fire in the water in the ocean did you see that i did not well it's kind of amazing they're saying who oh, no. I mean, I yeah. when I see stuff, and I, I mean, I never, like, how would I say, believe everything I hear. I, I always read into it. I mean, because, you know, like, now I'm, I'm kind of jumping all over the place. Say, like, the elites out there, and I, sometimes I think we only know what they want us to know. But you can look it up on YouTube. I guess there was an oil rigger out in the water and it's actually a whirlpool of fire in the water. It's kind of crazy. And they're saying, you know, there was a, it was like a a leak and an explosion. It almost looked like a gateway to hell. I mean, you got to check it out. But that being said, I have a clip and it's a clip about, off the coast of Florida where the Navy had um, 
detonated a bomb like 40 tons or whatever. And I don't understand why mm-hmm. they're doing that so close to Florida. Um, they said it's for training purpose. And I mean, just think that the destruction that's going to do to the ocean. I mean, it almost thinks, are, are we, right. are we battling something out in, in, under the water? I mean, I mean, there's so many different creatures and stuff in the, I mean, the ocean is, I mean, they said we only ex, uh, explored and know what's like in a small percentage of the ocean. I yeah. Mean, I want to say they say 10%. Yeah. And I think that's crazy. I mean, look at the octopus. They're almost alien like, I mean, right. Some people in the save, they think they are aliens, but I got this clip is about a seven minute clip. I want to share. And maybe we could talk about it after after we hear it. You down? Sounds good. Okay, I'm gonna play it right now, and I'll be back on the other side. The U.S. Navy has released a really cool video of an aircraft carrier doing what's called a shock test off the coast of Florida. The explosion so massive it triggered an earthquake 100 miles away. Trinity Chavez has the details. jaw-dropping footage showing the moment a 40,000-pound bomb exploded in the middle of the ocean before triggering a 3.9-magnitude earthquake. The explosion, a part of a trial to test the durability of the U.S. Navy's latest carrier, blasted off thousands of pounds of explosives near the USS Gerald Ford, about 100 miles away off the coast of Florida in the Atlantic Ocean, to simulate battle conditions. The Navy said in a statement, the first in-class aircraft carrier was designed using advanced computer modeling methods, testing, and analysis to ensure the ship is hardened to withstand battle conditions, and these shock trials provide data used in validating the shock hardness of the ship. The explosion itself was carried out underwater with a Navy ship being above water. The trials will show how durable the ship is to bombs and how effective they will be in battle. Following the detonation, the U.S. Geological Survey measured a seismic event roughly 100 miles off the coast of Ponce Inlet, a town near Daytona Beach, Florida. Now, the U.S. Navy has conducted full ship shock trials for decades. The most recent one was in 2016 on the USS Jackson and USS Milwaukee combat ships. The last aircraft carrier to undergo the testing was the USS Theodore Roosevelt in 1987. Reporting in New York, Trinity Chavez, RT. Now, you all could check it out on YouTube and subscribe to RT America. Now, now what's your thoughts? I mean... It's just a little clip, and I, I made a mistake. I thought it was seven minutes. The next one's about seven minutes, but this was only a couple minutes long. I mean, I, I want to know, where's all the Greenpeace and all the activists? I mean, my question is, how about all the sea life? To me, that's kind of selfish. Is it a cover-up? I mean, all that explosive, it, I mean, that's it, not good for the, the sea life, you know, especially in Florida with all the, you know, those those like marlins and they st- stuff they have down there. I mean, what's your thoughts? Well, well you know, it's hard because I'm on both sides of wanting to protect us, but also wanting to protect our ocean life because we don't know what's all out there yet. But protect us? Come on, I to me that's kind of my opinion is kind of senseless. I think there's something more to that. I mean. 
and I always think out of the box. I'm not saying there's like Lost City, Atlantis down there, or or I mean, um, maybe there's a well, cor- there could be though. Yeah, there could be, or maybe there was a correlation with that big, um, 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 big fire whirlpool that was over there by Mexico. Who knows? But to me, there's something fishy. Come on, they, they said. Yeah, they- you're right. You know, because they could honestly have it on land and blow it up and do the same thing. Yeah. I just don't buy it. I just don't buy it. Uh, I mean, yeah. I, and I'm sure they're going to find sea life washing up miles away. I mean, they said they felt earthquakes like hundred miles away from that right, explosion. At so, 3.9. That's pretty big. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, I remember back in the day when we used to go to the lake and, my cousin would throw some dynamite in the lake and all the fish would be knocked out and we'd scoop them up and that's how we got some fish. Now, just a little <laughs> stick of dynamite, what do you think? Tons and tons of explosives. Come on now. Yeah, Greenpeace. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> no, I totally understand what you're thinking. Yeah, and, and I know I, I'm going all over the place here, but, you know... I'm just thinking, I don't want to get into conspiracies and stuff, but a conspiracy ain't a bad thing. The government had made conspiracy sound like a bad word, so people that question things look kind of crazy. Uh, right. Do, do you think, that being said, you know, whatever they were doing down in Florida in the ocean – do you think we actually uh, landed on the moon? To be honest, I I don't know. You know I think there's a potential of it, but... Well, I find it very interesting that every time on TV, and you could look this up, that you they never have... I'm almost positive they don't have an actual picture of Earth from space. All that stuff you see on TV, it's either um, digitalized or animated or whatever, but there is no real picture. Mm-hmm. And, you know, people say that whole moon landing is fake and stuff. I have a lot of questions about it, but I found out they, you know, th- then they try to say, that they faked a lot of stuff because we landed on the moon, but they couldn't take pictures. So, you know, they wanted to make some pictures. So they fabricated that. But I, I was reading that when they're flying that, I don't want to say it wrong, but you could look it up that the actual picture they're taking from the spaceship on earth was like from a mirror or something. And that was even fabricated. Oh, wow. I wonder why they couldn't take pictures. Well, there's now there's new studies that came out. People are saying, um, don't quote me 100 percent, that our atmosphere actually goes higher than they think. Then people are saying that we won't be able to survive going past the Orion's belt. Um mm-hmm. And I'm all about, you know, false flags. I'm not all about it, but, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm skeptical about everything, especially with the mass media and all that. 
and right and um oh i forgot i was gonna say now oh yeah so i mean to me how do we know that this whole jeff bezos launch was a distraction for some because i'm i know i'm jumping all over the place but you heard about hitler supposedly escaped and survived in argentina correct i've heard you know something in passing okay so a lot of those Nazis, scientists, they're the ones that pretty much were NASA. And now, you know, mm-hmm. now Jeff Bezos saying he wants to donate so many billion dollars to NASA, you know, instead of putting all this money in space and all that, once you try to figure out the homeless situation. Now, I know I'm going all over the place. I'm just trying to make this show go. Your thoughts. Are you there, Mama Shana? I am. <laughs> I, I could hear you say that, you know, you're all over the place, but I don't mind, you know. It's intriguing. I like conversation. Yeah, you know, and I, and especially with this episode, you know, we just kind of threw it together. You know, things got kind of, you know, uh, as they say, the show must go on, and I, you know, I just want to let the people know that Murky Chronicles will talk about anything, you know. And if you have any stories or 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 weird sightings, you know, let us know. You know, I had a oh, this is what I wanted to bring up too. Have I had a dream? I'm, I keep on thinking about this dream when I had when I was little. Have you ever had a dream and it was like an out of body experience? Like you're seeing yourself. Yeah. I remember having a dream and it was a reoccurring dream that my bed would float and it would just start Mm -hmm. levitate, leave the house and go down the street. The same, same dream. And then I remember one day in the dream and I was probably like 14, 15 in my dream and I remember sniffing cocaine in my dream. But then I woke up and I start crying, I'm a drug addict. And I thought it was real, but you ever had dreams like that? That's not allowed. What's that? No, being a drug addict. No, I know. I never done drugs in my life, but I'm just saying it was weird. And I remember crying, thinking, because I never did drugs in my life, crying that I did cocaine. Maybe you were dreaming of a past life. You know, do you believe in past lives? I do. I remember talking to this girl and she had a good, she, 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 she was pretty um, into like Asian philosophy and all that stuff. And I remember one time she goes, you ever think about this? And I go, what? And, um, She's like, you know how people say they die and then they say that they see a little tunnel at the, you know, like a light at the end of the tunnel. She goes, how do you know that's not the womb and you're getting born again? That would make sense. Yeah. Well, it's like people with that have deja vu Uh say that it is something that means that you're on the right path and 
you know, I really believe it. I think we're put on this earth to work out challenges and we keep doing them until we actually succeed, I guess, at some point. Do you, do you think that people are put on for like, like you say, like when they're here on earth that, or this dimension or whatever you want to say that right. when you're done, what you're supposed to do, then you move on. Correct. Yeah, I could see that. You know, that's why there's always exceptions to every rule that, you know, they will, this health problem or that problem is going to, you know, end your life. But I think once you surpass what you're supposed to, because I believe everything happens for a reason at the end of the day. That's, even if I don't like the situation or whatever happens, I do believe that everything happens for a reason. Yeah. Yeah. Um Oh, I just had a mind blank. Um, so you do believe in reincarnation? Do you think? Do you think our soul? Do you think our vessel is just uh, our body's just a vessel, and our soul just keeps on going to the next whatever? Yeah, I think. Yeah. No. I got keep coming back, you know. I mean, I I got something to blow your mind. You know, I, I'm I'm religious and stuff, and I believe in God and 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 um. But I remember used to sitting back, and you know, God's supposed to be Almighty. You know, the end of be all. You know what I'm saying? But mm-hmm. you sit back though. And, okay, let's just take God out of the question and just say the very first, like, Adam or whatever, anything that exists, that exists, right? But Mm -hmm. how did that exist? Something had to make that exist. And the thing that made that exist had to make that exist. And so on and so on and so on and so on. And I remember sitting back as a kid thinking about it, and people say, you're going to go crazy thinking about that. But to me, that's just mind-boggling. Well, because you figure, you know, you have the biblical side of things and how things were created. But if we believe science that there was dinosaurs and cavemen, where do they fit into the scope of religion? Well, and... There you go, religion too, just even just like the Holy Bible. So much stuff's been taken out, you know, like, you know, from King James and stuff because, you know, they they were intimidated by it and wanted right. to hide stuff. I mean, where does it end? I and, totally agree with that. I mean, that just, okay, and just like to me, okay. We'll go back to the pyramids. Now, the pyramids are just so, I mean, there's stuff out there like ancient artifacts that 
our technology couldn't, re, you know, replicate. And now they're saying, right. now they're saying they're finding, you know, watermarks on the pyramids that dates the pyramids, you know, even farther back. And, you know, a lot of people don't want to acknowledge it because if they do, it's going to just throw the works in what the whole religion or what, you know, what people believe. They're saying that Cleopatra, when she was alive, her life is closer to the iPhone than it is to when the pyramids were actually built. Hmm. And now, now I was reading. Yeah. And you know, and, and people are coming to conclusion though, that back then they, that these pyramids were like, they were, they, they, Oh, I don't know how I want to say it. They, they were, they were made, but there was some kind of electricity or battery force portals that, they they had technology to do that. And a lot of people are saying, how do we know that they were so advanced and then it got too advanced and it, you know, went down back, you know, like reset again. If you notice. Converted like, back. Yeah, converted back. Just like us, you know, from like, say between like 1970, even to nine, like say 70 to 90s and like from 90s until now, look how, you know, from like say 70 to 90s, you know, we, we progress, but little by little, but then like from the nineties to now, look how quick that we're progressing now. How do you know we're, we're not going to get right. so far advanced that we're going to have another collapse and it'll be like the dark ages again. Well, don't they talk about that in the Bible that God won't allow us to get too smart. Yeah. Yeah. Matter of fact. Yeah. I don't know what scripture. And, and stuff, do you but... realize that we have pyramids in the United States? They're finding them. What, like where? Kind of intriguing. Uh, in, in I want to say the Midwest. Really? There's a documentary on it that they were talking about. There's pyramids. My mom likes to come tell me about these stories that she watches and listens to. And there's actual pyramids in the United States. Oh, wow. I, and I believe it. I believe it. And I actually believe that Middle Eastern people came here and like to Washington. If you go, if you go to mm -hmm. Eastern Washington, there's like Moses Lake, Kashmir, Walla Walla, and Washington, all Middle Eastern, mm -hmm. all Middle Eastern stuff. I mean, yeah, I mean, I don't know. It, it, it's there's so much out there, and I wish I wish we could just people would just open their minds and get away from mm -hmm. the mainstream media and 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 because a lot of the history that's been I'm not saying all history is wrong or nothing, but I mean it goes for every country. History that's taught it's usually taught by the winner side and <laughs> one sided. Yeah. It's, it's, yeah, it's, it's kind of crazy, but I have an email. You've got mail. How do you like that old school email song or sound? <laughs> AOL. Right. Uh, I was teasing one of my patients the other day 
because they gave me their email and it was AOL. And I'm like, wow, I haven't heard that one in a long time. That's awesome. Now, I got an email from a longtime listener, and he's been following me all the way back from Debashi's radio takedown. This is emails from Jesus Walker, and he sent his email to murkychronicles at gmail.com. His email says, I came across this on YouTube, and I thought you would enjoy it. And by the way, I love the new show. Thank you, Jesus Walker. And I will play this audio clip he sent, and let's give this person credit and subscribe to Lily Harper YouTube channel and check it out. And um, this one's probably about seven minutes, and this is the disappearance of Frederick Valentinch, UFO, UFO or uh, obsession gone too far, yeah, unsolved mysteries. Um, do you mind? We'll take a little earshot of this clip. Sounds good to me. All Play right. it. All right, here we go. We'll be back on the other side. Hi everyone and welcome back to my channel for another unsolved mystery. So today's mystery is about Frederick Valentich who was a 20 year old training Australian pilot. So on October the 21st 1978 Frederick was doing a 235 kilometre training flight from Melbourne along the south coast of Australia. At the time of his disappearance, Frederick had about 150 hours of flight time under his belt, and he already had his private pilot's license, but he was training to become a commercial pilot as well. At 7.06pm, 47 minutes into the flight, Frederick called Steve Roby, who was a flight service officer in Melbourne, and at this time, Frederick was around Cape Otway. He said an unidentified aircraft was flying above him and approaching him and had four bright landing lights and a green light and a metal surface. He then reported engine problems and said that he thought this other pilot might be purposely toying with him and his last actual words were, it's hovering and it isn't an aircraft. And then there were about 17 seconds of what sounded like metal scraping before the transmission cut off. After this, neither the aircraft or Frederick were ever seen or heard from again. There was a massive air and sea search that covered about a thousand square miles, but nothing was found. Five years later, on the 16th of May 1983, an eroded engine cap was found about 320 kilometres from where he had been flying, and it did have some matching serial numbers and was determined to be from the same make of plane, but there were another couple of planes in the preceding years that had lost plane parts during takeoff, so it couldn't be determined that it was definitely from his plane. Some witnesses did report seeing strange things on the night that it happened. One witness was driving home with his family near Cape Otway and says that they saw a green light in the sky, a lime green light, that was flying about a thousand feet above an aircraft and seemed to be doing a steep decline at about 45 degrees. 
I couldn't actually find any name of this witness, it was on Reddit, so I'm not sure how credible that is, but yeah, that person said apparently that this light was moving quickly towards the aircraft that Frederick was flying before they both disappeared. He apparently, again, didn't disclose this to authorities for years, but he did tell his co-workers about it the next morning, who sort of verified what he had said. There was also a photographer, Roy Manifold, who was taking photos of the sunset in Cape Otway on the night, and he was taking photos about 20 minutes before the final transmission finished, and he took a series of photos. In the fourth one, you can actually see a distinctive lump of black in the water, apparently. Again, I can't actually find these photos. If I can find them, I will insert them now, but I haven't been able to find them so far. Um, and then by the sixth photo, this black mark has moved up into the sky. Roy then sent these photos to the chief editor of an Australian newspaper who said they were not a developing error. The photos were also sent to a UFO research group who also determined that the black marks weren't dirt or damage to the negatives but actually something present in the sky. Obviously you've got to question <laughs> what they would want it to be, um, but that's what they determined. And this is the part where I tell you that Frederick himself was a UFO enthusiast, and only six days before he went missing he had mentioned to his girlfriend about the possibility of leaving on a UFO, and he'd also kind of told conflicting stories about why he was doing this training flight. Two other things are a little bit suspicious. The first is that he never told the arrival airport where he was travelling to, that he would be arriving, so they wouldn't have been ready for his arrival at all, and also he had told his girlfriend that he would be meeting her at 7.30pm that evening, which would have been physically impossible with the flight he was planning to do. He had also recently badly failed his commercial pilot's licence exam five times, and was also under possible prosecution for deliberately flying into clouds twice, and flying into a controlled air zone in Sydney. And lastly, his own father said that Frederick was a true believer in UFOs and had been very worried about being attacked by them in the past. So because of all this, it has been theorised, and this is the first theory, that the transmission wasn't real, it was fake, and that Frederick either staged his own disappearance or committed suicide. Another theory that I'm going to quickly mention and debunk is that people thought maybe the lights that he was seeing were from his own plane and that he was flying upside down above water, so he was seeing a reflection of his own plane. Um, but yeah, this was basically debunked when people pointed out that the transmission was about six minutes long and there's no way that you could fly upside down for six minutes without crashing. He had also put life jackets on board, which suggests that perhaps he didn't mean to die, and of course there is the possibility that he didn't die and he's out there somewhere, but it was presumed, if it was kind of a setup by Frederick himself, that his intention, because he believed so firmly in UFOs, to crash the plane, survive, and then come back with this story of encountering a UFO himself, and possibly that was the plan and it went wrong, because the Department of Transport have determined that it was presumed fatal for Frederick. Also, doctors and friends of Frederick from the time have basically all eliminated the idea of suicide, suggesting that it was a plan that went wrong and he did intend to survive. There are also a couple of conflicting reports. One is that the plane was never plotted on a radar near Cape Otway, which would suggest it was never there, um, but eyewitnesses have also said that there was a strange small plane landing at Cape Otway on the night um, that was never explained. So 
it's really, really difficult to tell what happened. Another theory is that Frederick was under the illusion of a tilted horizon, which is something that can happen, and that because he was an inexperienced pilot at the time, he put the plane into a graveyard spiral, and it's thought that the sounds he was talking about and the lights he was seeing would fit in with this theory. And of course, the final theory is that it really was a UFO that just happened to target somebody who very, very strongly believed in them. So you can make up your minds for yourselves. That's pretty much all the theories there are. It's quite a small case, but just really got me because even if it was completely kind of explained by Frederick and it was a plan that he concocted, it's still pretty amazing that neither him or any trace of the plane have ever been found and such an extensive search was carried out, so I just find it very interesting. I'm personally inclined to believe the accidental suicide, um, but you guys tell me what you think. So thank you for watching, I hope you guys found this really interesting and I will see you in my next video. Bye! So what do you think? It's really kind of interesting, especially since they never did find any parts or anything. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. Yeah, I, I'm i just kind of intrigued because I, I plan on taking a trip to Skinwalker Ranch. You heard about Skinwalker Ranch and all those sightings over there. And, and there's another... <laughs> There's another one here in Washington, too, in eastern Washington, but it it's just kind of funny how, you know, before the government was like, oh, there's no UFOs, no UFOs, and then, you know, all of a sudden, you know, we have Space Force, and, and now the government's, like, saying, oh, now they're acknowledging there's UFOs, and... It, it goes down to this. I don't know if you heard about Project Bluebeam. I think that's what it's called. I mean, they have, you know, technology now. Well, the technology we see, we know the government or the elites have way more better technology than what we think we have. But with all these holograms and stuff they could do, um, you know, people are saying, thinking, well, this is a good time for them to stage uh, – a UFO attack and that way to get like the new world or one world order to come together because everyone will want to come together if there's a big, you know, event like that. So I, it just, it just kind of weird. First there's no UFOs and now we have UFOs and now they're like open freely about it. I mean, what, what's your take on it? Well, it's, it's, pretty much really intriguing because like you're what you're saying is i don't know i totally agree with you because before they were trying so hard to yep. hide it and then now after just of a current event all these people that wanted to storm quote-unquote area 51 yeah and now all of a sudden you know they're saying, oh, it is a possibility. Yeah. And well, even do you hear about the cover out at cover up at Mount St. Helens, right? Uh-uh. 
Well, I played a clip. I'm a sheltered woman. Well, I, I played a, <laughs> I played a clip a couple weeks ago, and people seem to like it. And I have uh, was really intrigued when I ran across this by accident. Um, and you could look it up. Uh, you could find clips on YouTube and stuff. A lot of people did documentaries on it. And it was a, basically a guy was telling the story about his dad, you know, after I think when 1980, when Mount St. Helen erupted, I believe something like that. Um, they had the military over there and they had this guy come over and I forgot, I can't remember what he did, but he was going to help the military. And they said they were actually communicating with Bigfoot and Mount St. Helens. And they they had bodies of them. Um, they were communicating mm-hmm. with one they were injured they they shot a couple of it was kind of bizarre but yeah they're, 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 the people made some documentaries it was called the cover-up on uh, mount st helens it's kind of that's was really interesting yeah yeah and and um yeah and what so what what's 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 uh something that you're really intrigued about that I could do some homework and make a show about what, what, what's something that, that a story or something that happened in the past that you want to know more about? Hmm. Uh, to be honest, I can't think of anything off the top of my head. Well, you got my number. <laughs> I do. <laughs> All of them. Well, Kenny, like I said, he's out in the boondocks. Hopefully, he's not getting probed right now. Don't drop the soap out in the forest. Um, nah. That's what I was thinking. <laughs> but yeah, he brought up to my he brought up to my attention Mount Shasta, and I didn't even realize they had all this. Uh, um, uh, what would I say? Uh, stuff that's happening there. And it went back, you know, back to the native Americans and from UFOs, to Bigfoot. And, um, so I have this audio clip and, uh, I got it from YouTube. So I want to give the 13 past midnight credit. So check them out on the, their YouTube channel. Um, and this is called mysterious Mount Shasta stories and legends. And it's about Mount Shasta that is located in Northern California, and it has a reputation for being one of the strangest places in the world. And I didn't even know that. And I'm a pretty strange guy, and I know you could vouch for that. Um, well, I travel to Mount Shasta a lot. Really? Yep. They're like from Bigfoots to UFOs to secret societies, hidden cities, alien beings, and much more. So, Which I totally believe that with traveling off of I-5 and actually going back and seeing some of the small towns. Really? I can understand. What, 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 so, so you've been to Mount Shasta, you said? Yes. In, in, do you remember and any of like, it? Well, of course. There's different, different small towns. And like one town is called, um, oh Lord, it's escaping me. But it's just a small little they call it, I think, a whiskey town. Uh huh. In Mount Sh- area, and it's 
an old mining town, not very big, but then you drive past it and there's, I can't even name the lake, but you go around and there's a dam and it's dedicated to JF Kennedy out of nowhere. Why would they name something after JFK? Right. Just out of way off the beaten path, you know, it's not, and nothing that we've ever heard of before. And we all just kind of, you know, my daughter's I just kind of looking around going, why is this out here? This is just kind of an odd spot that people go swimming out there and stuff. And so somebody knows about it, but I don't know. Wow. Interesting. I have pictures up. I'll have to pull up the pictures at some yeah. point. Maybe I'll send them to you. Wow. Wow. Well, before um, we end the show and I play the clip, I, 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 I have a story I want to share. It's kind of offbeat, but just because you said it was a small town. So it was years ago, and I had my Nissan truck, my dog, my buddy Zhang, and his buddy Jeff, and he, his buddy worked for Boeing, and he had a Volkswagen Rabbit. We decided to go camping. Up, up in um, uh, by Mount Rainier, and we just brought oh. eggs and stuff, and we thought we'd just go rough it, you know, and just we'll just bring necessities. So I remember Jeff had to leave like a couple days before to go back to work. So we decided it was a small town up in um, you know, by Mount Rainier. Mm-hmm. So we had three ethnic guys, right, and. Every they my buddy kept on saying people seem like they're prejudiced. To me, they were fine with me, but whatever. So we went into this little store, and then we went and went to get some pizza or something. I ran into the pizza guy, and I said, "Hey, what's going on? My buddy has to go back home. Is there a party or anything going on?" And I was probably in my early twenties. He goes, "Oh yeah, there's a big shinding going on over here by the AT ATV trail." Because once you guys come, so we got pretty excited. So we went back to the campsite, tied my dog up, you know, and all that, made sure he was okay. So we start driving, follow. So we're we're in his Volkswagen Jetta, and we saw the ATV trail, and I don't get spooked that easy, right? So Jeff's driving. I think I was in the front seat, and Jung was in the back. And we started driving up these hills, and we and we seen this big pickup truck. It's a beat, you know, like Uncle Jesse from the Dukes that has a pickup truck, but it was blue. And it was three guys. Right. There was three guys and a girl, and they all had shaved heads. So they were they seemed nice, and they said, "Oh, come on, follow us." We said, "I forgot the guy's name." So and so said, uh, "said uh, you know." The, there's a party here, you know, invited as, okay, follow us. So we start going up this dirt trail and they start speeding up. And I, and the guy kept on telling us, keep our headlights off. I said, Jeff, Jeff, turn your headlights on. He turns it on. The, the, the truck stopped and he starts yelling at us. Well, no, you got to keep your trucks. I said, Hey, you got a pickup truck. We got a, a, a Jetta. I said, come on now. So uh, it almost seemed like to me he was trying to run us off this road. You know, it was a windy road going up this hill, right? 
So next, right. so next thing you know, he did it a couple of times. So my friend, Zhang, he's Korean, he got pissed off. He started wanting to fight. I said, dude, just chill out. Let's just get to the party, you know. And I was trying to be peacemaker. So it happened a couple more times. So finally, um, we get to this thing, and it was a log on wheels was blocking the road. So this guy let us in. And I remember the truck stopped again, yelled at us again, turn off your lights. And I started getting mad. So finally I said, okay, so I said, we're almost, let's just get to the thing. If you want to find him, go ahead, but let's just get to the party. We went around the corner, right? And we're on top of this hill. We looked down it was some kind of rally or something. But then when we looked down the thing, it was a big sign. It was a swastika sign. Uh. And, I start said, we're going to die. We're going to die. Turn around, turn around, turn around. And so Jeff did a Yui, and we're coming down this hill, and all these cars coming up the hill. That pickup truck turns around, so they're chasing us down the hill, and the guy's trying to put the log back across the road, and we, we, we beat it before the log went back across the road, and then we passed the pizza guy. And I remember I almost jumped out the window and I said, you're trying to kill us. And I wanted to fight him, but we ended up driving away. And then when we got down to the main road, um, we finally got cell reception. No, no, we, I don't even think we had cell reception. We found a pay phone and I called 911 and I go, I just said, I said, yeah, we're from Tacoma and act like we're gangsters, whatever. And I said, you guys better do it. I think we were at a KKK rally. We're going to shoot it up. You guys better come. Then we took off. So anyways, we went home. We were kind of, what just happened, you know, and kind of breathing hard and stuff. So I remember Monday night we got home. We got to the house. And as soon as me and Jung sat down, we're watching Monday night football. They found a dead body in that same spot that we were at. Oh, yeah. Sorry, it was kind of long-winded no. story, but I just remembered that for some reason. But I'll never forget that day. Never forget that day. Well, how can you? Yeah, that would be terrifying. Yep. And I remember I looked at Zhang. I said, "Did you?" We, the news was on. I said, "Did you hear that?" And he goes, "Yeah." And I said, "That could have probably been us. Who knows what would have happened?" But that's a story to tell, though. Uh. Well. Homegirl, do you have any, uh, before we shut this thing down, do you have any um, shout-outs you want to give out and plugs and whatever you want? <laughs> Not off the top of my head. Uh, it's way past my bedtime. <laughs> yep, I took some melatonin because, you know, I started the show later than usual, but I'm going to drop it before midnight. What's that? Sorry, I worked late today. <laughs> oh, no, that's okay. It's all good. I was debating whether to do it, but I was like, show must go on. And I said, I'm going to call Mama Shauna. And so I took some melatonin because I need to go to sleep because we're going to Long Me and my nephew and son's going to Long Beach, Washington. But um, anyways, that being said. I've been there. It's fun there. Is it? Uh, I can't wait. It's cool. I'll probably text You've never you from been there. there. Years ago. And my sister was over, and I said, I kind of want to go somewhere tomorrow, and I don't want to go to Ocean Shores. And she goes, go Long Beach is better. I said, okay. So 
I said, we got to be out the door by nine in the morning. What's that? I said, hopefully it won't be crowded. Oh, it probably will. But, oh, we'll we'll make the best of it. You know me. I've been a lot of different places. I know you have. Tomorrow, I think we're going to go... Go pick peaches somewhere. Oh, nice. I'm going like to... to be weird you, you remember this song? <laughs> I'm going to the country. I'm going to eat a lot of peaches. I'm going to the country. Remember that song? I don't, but oh, okay. I like it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, hey, I want to give a shout out to my boy, uh, Padhu Rojo, he's the host of Tales from the Abyss, and it's very entertaining. And it's on all podcast podcast platforms. And I have my Lyrical Spit podcast. And on the days I don't produce my full Lyrical Spit shows, I do my daily spits, giving you daily uplifting inspirational quotes and hopes. If you're feeling down, I can bring you right back up with music and extra stuff and you can get murky chronicles lyrical spit on most of your favorite podcast platforms and on lyricalspit.com anything else you want to add my dear i think everybody should book you well for their wedding their wrestling events you name it well thank matter of fact I'm going to be uh, officiating a wedding in Spokane next week. Nice. Yep, yep. Edward Moore and his wife. Yep. So, but I'll still be gimping on crunches. Hey, we could be gimp. Hey, I'm we could be right We could be gimp twins. <laughs> yeah, we could be gimp twins. Right? Yeah. All right. Well, I guess hashtag save our children. Epstein and McAfee Epstein and McAfee didn't kill themselves until next week. No, they didn't. That's right. And until next week, enjoy the mysterious Mount Shasta stories and legends. Mount Shasta. Very few places in the United States are as completely steeped in mystery and the supernatural as Mount Shasta. Located in Northern California, only about an hour from the Oregon border. This semi-dormant volcano and the surrounding area are, according to legend, home to spirits, gods, Bigfoot, aliens, fairies, robots, ascended masters, Lemurians, occultists, underground bases, secret tunnels, and other strange entities and features. Rising to a height of 14,162 feet, Mount Shasta is an imposing figure set against a backdrop of stunning wilderness. Rugged outcrops, scenic vistas, mountain streams, waterfalls, lakes, glaciers, and caverns of various size. It truly is one of the most impressive mountains in the United States. And even though the last volcanic activity was way back in 1786, It's still currently considered active by the USGS. But aside from the beauty and natural grandeur, Mount Shasta has an ominous aura about it. The mountain does hold some dark secrets, 
many considered a place of portals to strange realms of the unexplained. The indigenous people of the area revered Mount Shasta as a magical and supernatural place many, many decades before the white man arrived in Northern California. One popular Shasta legend claims that before there were humans on the planet, the chief of the great sky spirits grew tired of his icy home in the above world. He used a stone to make a hole in the sky and shoved ice and snow into the hole. The resulting mound was what came to be known as Mount Shasta. Next, the chief of the sky climbed down onto Mount Shasta and seeing it was barren, he chose to place trees there. When he walked through the snow, it melted and formed streams and rivers. As the leaves began to fall from the trees, the sky chief used his breath to turn them into birds. The chief of the great sky spirits was so pleased with Mount Shasta that he chose to make it home for his family. Not missing the cold from the above world, the sky chief made a hole in the middle of the mountain and placed a fire inside it to keep his family warm. When he placed logs into the fire, the mountain would shake and emit sparks and spew fire. Although it's unknown as to exactly how Mount Shasta was named, one popular explanation states that the name comes from the Russian language. Supposedly, settlers from Russia who lived in coastal California were able to see the summit of Mount Shasta off in the distance. They referred to it as Shastal, which means white or pure in their language. This eventually came to be pronounced and shortened to just Mount Shasta. Others claim that one of the local tribes of the indigenous peoples in the area, known as the Shatstika, loved and hunted on the mountain, and it came to be named after them. Regardless of how it got to be named, nowadays Mount Shasta is a well-known and popular destination for snow skiers, hikers, hunters, anglers, spelunkers, and many others who love rugged outdoor activities. Mount Shasta is also a popular destination for New Agers and other seekers wishing to bask in the vibe of the mountain. Currently, Shasta is home to a huge amount of day spas, retreats, a Buddhist monastery, as well as a plethora of New Age consultants, Zen instructors, and those claiming to be ambassadors to space aliens and ascended masters. In fact, there is so much strangeness on the mountain one is almost assured to have some sort of weird experience when visiting Shasta. Paranormal investigators state that the most unusual encounters usually happen when you least expect it and are far away from other people. Shaman, New Age seekers, and those trying to contact the mothership may inadvertently disturb the energies on the mountain and cause truly paranormal events to become hidden away, according to some. Nevertheless, there's been more than enough bizarre happenings in the area to suggest that there are strange powers at work here. In the lore of the Native Americans familiar with Shasta, the terms for ghost, soul, and life are very similar. According to these tribes, ghosts, which are often spotted near burial areas as flickering orbs of light, are to be feared, as merely observing them is said to be an omen foretelling bad luck or perhaps even death. Also according to their legends, after death, the soul is said to travel west, rise into the sky, 
and then head into the Milky Way to the world of the afterlife. The Shasta Indians believe that singing funeral songs help the deceased spirit on its way. Also according to Shasta traditional lore, the entire region is haunted with Ikski, which literally translates to pains. But according to the natives, these are spiritual entities capable of taking on the form of tiny people and animals who live among the area's many boulders, lakes, summits, and also in the rapids and other tributaries of flowing water. The indigenous Shasta peoples consider the Ikski to be the cause of all illness, bad luck, and death and also have the ability to jump into the bodies of unsuspecting victims. According to legend, only a true shaman can exercise away these demonic entities. In more recent and typical ghost lore, parts of Interstate 5 that run nearby the mountain are reportedly haunted by various unidentified ghosts, possibly the victims of car accidents. Or they may be tulpas or thought forms, brought about by the indigenous people of the area. Some tribes believe that talking about or merely even thinking of certain dark entities can draw them out and cause them to take form. The ruins of old Shasta town from the 1800s lie just south of Mount Shasta and west of Redding, California, which at one time was the county seat. The old town area is home to several reported ghosts, especially in the old courthouse, which claimed that at night the sounds of criminal trials can still be heard and in the gallows park at the back of the courthouse where those found guilty were hung and still linger to this day. A pioneer baby's burial spot on nearby old Highway 99, which at one time was a stagecoach road through the area, is claimed to be haunted by a particularly evil and malevolent entity. Some of the stranger stories from the area are based on the Native American legends of Shasta being home to several mysterious races of beings, which include the aforementioned little people, but also tribes of reptilians and large malevolent humanoids known as the Shupchets, who legend says live in the area of Flume Creek and secretly traverse the lava tunnels to the summit of Mount Shasta. The early white settlers in the area also told of the tunnel traveling giants referring to them as the Lemurians. The concept of Lemuria originally began as a rumored lost continent in the Indian Ocean from a somewhat scientific theory which explained how lemurs were able to migrate to India from Madagascar. Some folks, however, occultists and New Agers in particular, considered Lemuria as a lost continent which was home to an advanced race, the Lemurians who were the supposed ancestors of the legendary Atlanteans of the other well-known lost continent of Atlantis. Legends state that the Lemurians are giant, human-appearing beings who bore some form of appendage on their massive forehead which provided them with psychic powers. The story of the Lemurians on Mount Shasta mainly comes from a bizarre book called A Dweller on Two Planets or The Dividing of the Way which was written in the 1880s by cultist Frederick Spencer Oliver. Among other things, Oliver claimed that a secret city glittering with jewels was located inside of Mount Shasta, and he further established a connection between it and Lemuria. His writings were popular at the time, and his fantastical ideas of Mount Shasta and Lemuria 
were referenced and retold in many news articles and other books of that era. Along these lines of legend, there are also stories of a secret society which lives in the secret city deep inside Mount Shasta. The secret society is known as the Great White Brotherhood. Now that's not because of the color of their skin, but rather the brilliant white light that often surrounds these beings who also wear spotless white robes. They are said to be a fraternity of spiritually advanced beings or ascended masters who are drawn to Mount Shasta due to the energy found on its peak. The Brotherhood allegedly live inside of the mountain and travel through tunnels of gold to their hidden temples made of jewels and crystals. Guy W. Ballard, an occultist from Chicago, ventured to Mount Shasta in 1930 to inquire about reports from another occultist, William Pelly, regarding a group of holy men called the Brotherhood of Mount Shasta, whom Paley claimed to have observed while traveling on the mountain. Ballard, along with his wife Edna, was extremely curious and ventured to Mount Shasta in hopes of contacting the ascended masters of which Pelly wrote. Once, when Ballard was out on a day hike alone, he paused to rest at a clear mountain spring in the McLeod River Valley area. He claims that while resting by the stream, he was approached by a strange young man who appeared out of nowhere and offered him a drink of some creamy, milky liquid. The young stranger told Ballard that the liquid came from what he called the universal supply. Ballard states that when he drank the liquid, it had an immediate electric and clarifying effect on him, making him feel oddly energized and refreshed. The young stranger then revealed his true name the Ascended Master Saint Germain, and was suddenly clad in a white jeweled robe, making him appear godlike. As Ballard looked on in stunned amazement, he noticed that a mountain lion had approached him to within a few feet. Somehow able to fight off his fear of the animal, Ballard claimed that the mountain lion suddenly became as docile and playful as a kitten. At this point, St. Germain proudly informed Ballard that he had passed the test of courage and gave him four small brownish cakes. Ballard ate the cakes and claimed that they further increased the clarity of the liquid he had consumed and aided him in being receptive to the Master's teachings. St. Germain stated that he had searched several continents for someone worthy to learn his instructions regarding the great laws of life, and now Ballard, his wife Edna, and their son Donald were chosen to be his accredited messengers. After a series of meetings with the Ascended Master, Ballard claims he was able to channel St. Germain's wisdom and plans for implementing the Seventh Golden Age, the I Am, which Germain stated would bring about a new age of earthly perfection. Ballard further claimed that through channeling St. Germain, he was also able to view his own past lives and claimed that he had been George Washington in a previous life. When Ballard returned to Chicago in 1931, he set about putting St. Germain's plans for the New Age of Enlightenment in motion. By 1932, Ballard and his wife Edna had founded the I Am Religious Sect, the St. Germain Press, and the St. Germain Foundation. Ballard, using the pseudonym Godfrey Ray King, began turning out books, pamphlets, and articles about his new religion. By 1936, 
Ballard had amassed a large literary collection of several books, compilation of songs and affirmations, as well as a periodical magazine. Ballard had no problem drawing crowds who came to listen to he and Edna channel St. Germain's teaching, and soon schools and reading rooms began to spring up, and by 1938, the sect had almost three million devotees. Skeptics claimed that the new religion was nothing but old, recycled cult practices, and when Guy died in 1939, although his wife Edna claimed that he had not passed on, but rather ascended, many of the devoted became disillusioned with Ballard's rather ordinary departure from this plane and stopped attending the meetings. After recovering from alleged mail fraud charges, the I Am movement, although now considerably smaller, survives until this day. The I Am Reading Room in the town of Mount Shasta offers Ballard's channel writings, Ascended Master and I Am Art, and I Am Musical Recordings that are purported to alter consciousness and allow for further spiritual enlightenment. The music has been described as having an ethereal warbling quality that many believe enhances, among other things, psychic abilities and astral travel. The experiences Ballard wrote about in 1930 inspired many other stories of encounters with strange beings on Mount Shasta. In 1932, Edward Lasner claimed he knew of white-robed people who hoarded a cache of gold and lived at the 11,000-foot level. And in 1934, a man named Abraham Mansfield claimed he met a whole tribe of Lemurians on the mountain who revealed to him an extensive network of secret tunnels. Two decades later, spiritualist Earlene Cheney stated that she received an initiation in a secret temple hidden upon Mount Shasta. Before becoming a spiritual guru, Cheney was a Hollywood starlet, possibly explaining her passion and penchant for the elaborate costumes and theatrics which she used in her New Age church and mystery school, Astara, founded in 1951. Writing in her book, Secrets from Mount Shasta, Cheney tells how she and her husband were given instructions to go to Mount Shasta during a channeling session in 1952. While camping at Panther Meadow, located on the south side at about 7,385 feet, Cheney and her husband suddenly felt led to climb farther up the mountain. During their ascent, they were met by a strange young man who seemed to know all about their quest and proceeded to give them his teachings. Eventually, the pair were escorted into a secret place known as the Cave of the Mystic Circle. It was here that they were also introduced to other adepts, including the Ascended Master Kuthumi, who also assisted them with their teachings. The pair's lessons climaxed in an initiation in which Cheney claimed she was shown the inner great temple at the peak of Mount Shasta, which featured what she described as a great astral cathedral lit from above by a glorious star. She further stated that these sights can only be seen by the truly initiated and remain invisible to the eyes of lesser adepts and mere mortals. Cheney has also previously claimed to have been initiated in a secret ceremony inside the Great Pyramid of Egypt, which does make her one of a very few select souls on this plane of existence indeed. Current New Agers and occultists claim that St. Germain and other ascended masters and adepts continue to wander the mountain appearing to seekers 
particularly in the area around Panther Meadow. These same occultists will readily explain how the Earth is actually hollow and contains numerous secret underground cities, among them Telos, where descendants of ancient Lemuria currently live and are presided over by the Ascended Master High Priest Adama. Mount Shasta is also known for its weird glowing mystery lights. These mysterious floating orbs of light have been reported on the mountain since the arrival of the white settlers and among the Native Americans years prior to that. The best time to observe the lights is usually at dusk, around midnight, and just before dawn. While indigenous tribes of the area thought the lights to be ghosts, New Agers and occultists prefer to think that the lights are from the secret ceremonies of the Lemurians or the Great White Brotherhood. The lights have become so well known that they alone have brought the curious to Mount Shasta. Based on newspaper articles from around the turn of the last century, the lights were observed by passengers on trains that passed by the mountain in the night. The mysterious lights continue to be reported today, and many people have come to associate them with UFO activity that occurs frequently on the mountain. If you would like to perhaps catch a glimpse of these lights without traveling to Mount Shasta, there are live webcams available online which offer 24-hour day streams of the mountain's peak. There are literally thousands of lava tube caves known to exist on and nearby Mount Shasta. The strangest one is Pluto Cave, which was thought to have been created by a basaltic lava flow almost 200,000 years ago. The tunnel-like cave was sacred to the indigenous tribes of Shasta and was rediscovered by white settlers during the mid-1800s. As it's very foreboding and eerie, it takes its name from the Roman god of the underworld, Pluto. In addition to being called Pluto Cave, it's also known to the locals as Pluto's Cave and Pluto Caves. The cave has garnered quite a reputation in supernatural and occult circles as a place to find extraterrestrials or various entities from the spirit realm that live deep inside the mountain. Recent explorers have reported coming across evidence of sacrificial fires and objects from rituals left behind in the cave by those who have held secret ceremonies and vigils for paranormal or occult purposes. Stories abound of people going insane after spending the night in the cave tube where they were allegedly confronted by unspeakable horrors. While these tales may be the stuff of wild campfire stories or urban legends, those who have visited the cave do find it frightening and eerie nonetheless. Another strange area located near Mount Shasta is Burney Falls, an amazing natural wonder that pours 129 feet down into Burney Creek in the MacArthur Burney Falls State Memorial Park. President Theodore Roosevelt once remarked that this amazing waterfall should be considered the eighth wonder of the world. There are persistent stories of fairies or fey folk who appear in the mist or just in the edge of the vision of those who gaze out over the falls. Perhaps these fairies are actually the little people described in Native American legends from around Mount Shasta. It's also stated that these little people will only appear to those who are honestly seeking them for spiritual enlightenment and not just for a paranormal thrill. Bernie Falls is located approximately six miles north of the junction of highways 299 and 89 on Highway 229. 
Fairy sightings have also been reported near the area around McLeod Falls, which is made up of three amazing falls flowing into the McLeod River. While the lower and upper falls can easily be accessed by vehicles, the middle falls, reportedly the most haunted, is accessible only on foot. Not surprisingly, the middle of the three falls is also claimed to be the best spot for ferry sightings. McLeod Falls is located on Highway 89, approximately six miles east of the town of McLeod. Mount Shasta is also considered to be one of the most active hotspots of North America's UFO activity. Those well-versed in extraterrestrials state that Mount Shasta is a prime spot for visiting aliens, and weird lights are often reported hovering near the area at night and have also been spotted disappearing into the mountain. Castle Crags State Park, just south of the town of Dunsmere, California, along Interstate 5, is also considered to be another active UFO hotspot. The trails in the park lead into strange landscapes of weird, jagged rock formations, and it's the perfect location for encountering anomalous phenomena. While Northern California is full of Bigfoot sightings and encounters, Bigfoot legends seem to be a more modern tale around Mount Shasta. Gigantic humanoid footprints discovered in 1955 at the 11,000 foot level have been said to be those of Bigfoot by some or of giant Lemurians by others. One of the oddest reports ever to come out of Mount Shasta was in 1962 when a woman claimed to have watched a female Bigfoot give birth high up on the mountain. To this day, New Age seekers, campers, hikers, and even loggers have had sightings of these tall, hairy cryptids on Mount Shasta. Well, there you have it. The strange, strange tale of Mount Shasta. Considering all the paranormal, supernatural, and occult activity that goes on here, Perhaps it is no surprise that people have gone missing from the mountain leaving nary a trace. Thank you for downloading and listening, and please spread the word. Subscribe and follow Murky Chronicles on Spotify, Amazon, iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts, and on most of your favorite podcast platforms. You can get all the show links at lyricalspit.com. Keep this show free by buying some of our swag of apparel at ButcherSpit.com. We have t-shirts, hoodies, and even baby onesies. That's ButcherSpit.com.